Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scholey, author of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics and Fantastic Four Grand Design. Today we're going to be looking at The Silver Surfer, The Ultimate Cosmic Experience. This is a, uh, a fireside graphic novel by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Before we open this up, I want to invite everybody watching to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon beside the subscribe button, and you will be notified when we post a new video, which will give you a leg up on the kayfabe effect. You'll be the first ones in line on eBay, Amazon, or at your local comic shop trying to track down whatever comic we showed off that day. Hopefully you get there before it's sold out, or you get there before the prices go through the roof. So you want to hit that notification button, and also let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share the videos with other comics fans who haven't found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It is the way we grow this channel. 60,000 plus strong and growing on our way to 6 million. So uh, we appreciate your help on that. But the story here, Marvel's first real graphic novel, right? This is uh, the late 70s. Um, one of Kirby's kind of final jobs at Marvel, I believe. Yeah, it, it got him out of his contract. He had to do a certain number of pages to be out, and this this helped him bat those out. And, you know, the idea of the graphic novel, Fireside distributing their books to, you know, through book channels, which was atypical at that time, and uh, following on the heels of Contract with God, Will Eisner, and the whole term graphic novel. So, 100 pages, original material, and... I don't know, man. It's just an interesting artifact, especially for that time period. Yeah. I'm so glad that Jack Kirby did this, just so that like, he could say, like, I, I touched comic strips, I touched editorial illustration, I touched comic books, I touched the, the full issue story, and he's got a 100-pager under his belt. Um, my, my relationship with this comic is, as a reading experience, uh, if, to me it's like when, um, if you ever saw like Beavis and Butthead do America or the Simpsons movie, where at a certain point, it's like, they're they're so good at like a certain format. And when they try to expand yes. that format, it it doesn't work. Yeah. It's clearly smart people who, who, who do their thing, but it's like, I never saw the Simpsons movie two times. You know, I never really saw Beavis and Butthead do America twice. Uh, this thing is a reading experience. It's it's all over the place. Uh, Stan and Jack, they, they, they don't know how to how to do it oh yeah and, it's, and, it's, and, it's weird and, and keep and keep like a three-act <laughs> structure or something but it's a magnificent uh thing to behold like visually yeah there's some great stuff in there uh before i go in i want to say earl norham on yeah. this cover mm -hmm. based on a sketch by jack kirby have you guys seen that yeah, sketch it, that it's actually that's... a fully drawn inked by joe sinnott uh, image that was intended to be the cover, and then i guess someone made the decision of, of an earl norham cover it makes sense because they're chasing bookstore mm -hmm. sales and stuff yeah. so like every paperback has like some sort yeah, it's, of it's commercial art yeah you know, we've been looking at those art catalogs ed and they have the commercial art next to the comic art and a lot of its paperback covers uh you know in the commercial art side of it so you can see where that how that comes you know why they would do it the other uh also by Stan Lee. <laughs> well, yeah, this is this is coming out of oh all those little compilation books yes. that Stan Lee and the the authorship of them was like the little text accompaniment. The comics were just kind of there for fun. Yeah. Know? And look, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. You, you know, that's you know an unambiguous yes. you know crediting there. And Simon and Schuster, a uh, legitimate publisher of books. And then I think it's it's here. It says copyright. Uh, Stan Lee and Jack, uh, copyright Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. 
another thing Kirby never got in his entire career at Marvel. Wonder what you get from that copyright if you're Jack Kirby. Yeah. It's not like he can go out and reprint this himself. Yeah, I what? think I think you you get. You, you get to keep your artwork or something. Congratulations. Well, you, you, you own the story that's here. You, you own the artwork. There, there are ways you could publish this. You know, you couldn't call him the Silver Surfer. Maybe you'd have to put a mustache on him. But there is precedent to this kind of thing of somebody taking, you know, and, and giving it a minor tweak. So he, he owns all of that. And I've seen a lot of the behind-the-scenes material for this. It's, like, published in the Jack Kirby Collector. And there's, like, pages where it's, like, it would be a drawing of the um, Devil's Advocate, and it'll say, you know, and Jack Kirby did this, and it'll say, at the top, it'll say, you know, I, Jack Kirby, am creating this character, the Devil's Advocate, to be published in the Simon and Schuster. Like, by this point, he's been through the ringer, he's gotten all his punches to the face, and so he's following, you know, the, you know, taking legal advice to make sure he doesn't, like, lose whatever he creates here. Tom, anything stand out to you in this intro by Stan Lee in terms of he talks a little bit about the origins of Silver Surfer gives gives Kirby credit pretty much for showing up with this character, uh, you yeah. know, in the in the famous Fantastic Four, you know, 48, 49, 50 Galactus trilogy. And it's like, what is this character, Jack? Mm -hmm. There, there's a couple of, like, instances where Stan Lee, like, there were witnesses and things, so Stan Lee is kind of forced to fully acknowledge somebody, and then everything else is in that, that gray area in the dead zone. And then he quotes Rubiat of Omar, Omar Khayyam, which is, like, a really important book to Stan Lee. He's talked about it his whole life. Some of, like, the last video we have of Stan Lee is him, like, quoting passages from it. It's, you know, this, you know, uh, collection of, of poems and things that... I mean, like, to me, it always seemed very pretentious the way he talked about it. Like, I'll bet his favorite <laughs> the book is not, it's like some piece of <laughs> shit, but it's like, he, he feels this sounds good, you know. It almost reads like some of that hyperbolic Stan Lee speak. You can see the influence, especially like, you know, Doctor Strange or whatever, you know. It's it's funny to think of like his takeaway would be like the vernacular yeah. or something, <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah, I'll have one of my characters speak like this. Well, I think like Stan's the kind of guy, like... He, he feels like this this is like a very profound statement, you know? Sure. Well, let's dive in. Speaking of profound, I, I agree, Ed, with everything you said about sort of the, the pacing and stuff being very bizarre and off. Mm -hmm. But man, the art is on. That's all There's that matters. There's so much showing off. And I wonder, like, having that extra page count for Kirby, if that was just, like, perfect for him to be like, oh, yeah, full page mm -hmm. or different kind of grid on this page. It feels like we're going to get a lot of that right from the get-go. I mean, like, badass, right? And Joe's animation to it. Joe Sinnott was promised, and, and this is why he agreed to do this, he was promised that he would be credited up here too. And it looks like somebody like deliberately blacked out his credit. There's space for it, right? And wow. and he is like the unsung hero of the, like we're talking about the graphics. I mean, Joe Sinnott's a big, big part. Big part of that. And yeah, the storytelling, it's saggy, it's bloated. But these images continue to this day yeah. to be used again and again by Marvel on like um advertising on um merchandising like the, he he created some of the definitive images of the silver surfer in this late work one of the knocks i would always read about kirby and like whenever he goes to the fourth world and he's writing himself you know like i'll hear people criticize his writing you guys need to shut up because like the <laughs> writing in this is it's embarrassing some of the some of the uh, text in this so i don't think you can criticize kirby's fourth world scripting and hold this up well, I mean, yes. I mean, and Stan Lee was like, I would say like semi-retired as a writer at this at this point. And he was, on this project, he was in that mode of like, hey, I'm Stan Lee. You do the work. 
bring it to me. I'll look through it. And if I like it, we'll move on. So uh, the, the verbiage, Stan, you know, that's his domain. He, he, he wants to be in charge of the verbiage. But the storytelling, I mean, I've, I've seen the documents and stuff. Kirby is basically like putting together this story and like, okay, here you go, Stan. Here you go, Stan. Like he's doing all the heavy lifting. And, and, and one way that this does work is just as like you said, animation, like looking at a series of like really beautiful sequences. And Some of these panels, there are many of these panels that I'll point out as we go where it's like a close up or a headshot or whatever. They're just phenomenal and feel like. I don't even know how this fits in comic storytelling. It feels mm -hmm. like a separate kind of panel that just belongs to Kirby. The thickness of, of this inking, it's, it's, it's so adventurous, and it's, I, I've never seen it tighter. So we see Silver Surfer coming to Earth in this sequence. I don't understand where this fits in the Silver Surfer history. Is this like this, an expanding of, of the Fantastic Four story? Is this, this a completely original, like it had never, those stories never happened, and this is... It feels independent. It, feel, it feels like when you were a kid and, and you saw something like the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie or something and you have no idea about licensing or rights or, and like, why doesn't Wolverine show up? And then why doesn't Darkhawk show up or whatever? This is like its own It's thing. a world it's, it's, of, it's, it's, of, it's, uh, it's like a motion picture. Like, yeah. Like, and you think of when they would make like the Hulk TV show or, or exactly. like the, the Doctor Strange TV movie. It's This is like that era. And yeah, they take out all the stuff they don't, they didn't buy the rights for. And this specific work was created as almost like a blueprint for a Silver Surfer movie. There was interest in a Silver Surfer movie, and this was a, a way to kind of get, like, what's what's the Bible going to be of this Silver Surfer movie? That's interesting to think of it that way, too, because you're selling it, if it works, you're selling it in a bookstore, presumably to a different audience. Mm -hmm. So it should stand alone. It shouldn't have asterisks of like, okay, go back and find Fantastic 448 or 72 or anything like that. It needs to stand alone. So it's kind of forward thinking in a way that it's like, hey, we've got this character that's established and had a series and all these stories, but we need this to stand alone and be for a new audience. You, you know where I think they could have, like if they would have had, 22 page chapters and say mm -hmm. have four of them or five of them i think that they would, it would have been more comfortable to their to their strengths Probably. as storytellers yeah. yeah you you mentioned the beavis and butthead movie i was thinking of like the power rangers movie the sure, first one sure, you know sure, like sure, yeah exactly. it, they're they're great at like a certain format you step out of that format it's a learning curve now this is to me where the story starts to go off the rails and maybe where this whole project goes off the rails because even though Jack was doing the heavy lifting. Stan would kind of put his foot down and insist on certain things. And Stan insisted on Jack using this sort of, you know, the, this character Shalabal and this origin for the Silver Surfer that Jack had no hand in and actually, you know, resented and, and, and was, you know, completely different. One, one, and see how early it comes in the story. Immediately, we have to shoehorn in that he had this Shalabal who he loved a, a long time ago and, and had to give her up to become the Surfer and kind of stops... The, the narrative dead in its tracks, and then it's got to pick up from there. So where you could have had sort of like this fresh slate where it's like, here's some alien coming to Earth. He doesn't know what anything is. He's got to figure out what's going on. You know, it's it, it kind of, I don't know, muddy, muddies it. The, the other thing that happens, uh, and it's verbally, is uh, it's the gym shooter. Every comic is somebody's first comic, so you have to like establish the certain, you know, dimensions to the character's personality or whatever. Uh, it happens over and over and over again where Silver Surfer is like, always sort of siding with the humans and talking about how flawed they are. It's it's like, maybe do that once and then you <laughs> could go have your adventure, but it happens every 15 to 20 pages. Yeah, I mean, I, I made some notes in, in my copy and 
just because whenever I read a comic, I'm kind of got my creator hat on. And I'm thinking you rearrange the sequence of events in here. You could get a much stronger story because there's these sequences where Silver Surfer's like looking at a billboard and like turn, dressing himself up as like a hip 70s guy and stuff. And it's like, have that before Galactus shows up. Have Silver Surfer come to Earth. Yeah. Try to right. stay in disguise, get the lay of the land, figure things out, and then realize that like, oh, Earth is, is a pretty cool place, which is what happens in the, in, in the Fantastic Four version, and then have Galactus show up and him fight him. Instead, it's like ass backwards. In, in yeah, that, that makes total sense, even from like a three-act structure yeah. point of view, where it'd be like, the Silver Surfer is already the thing that like, now the world, something has tilted, has changed. You can have an act like that that ends with like, oh wait, it's worse, because now there's this world-devouring god mm-hmm. that is actually showing up and in, 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 in following him here. The, di- the dialogue, like I three quarters of the way, maybe 60% of the way. Like, I just quit reading it uh, because the same story happens two or three times in here, I feel like. Like, right. like Galactus comes to Earth like two or three times and and, and Silver Surfer has to, like, uh, you know, throw him off the path. It reminds me a lot of the Mobius Silver Surfer story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's there's so many parallels and it makes me think, like, is this Stan Lee just rehashing the same? The- and in a way, it's like every superhero, right? It's just an origin. It's just origin over and over. Retell the origin. That's kind of the story. But it, it feels very similar to that. that that's Mobius what they would say about like Gene Roddenberry that he had like one story that he would just tell over and over again, and, and Stan Lee maybe too. But then you get this, and, and yeah. it's uh, you know, yeah, can't the, beat that with a baseball. The bat. visuals are worth the price of admission. Absolutely. And if you kind of like squint your eyes, or like like Ed did, like ignore the text, there is a story being told here that that seems pretty compelling. That that maybe you know could be excavated. I always wonder, like, if you're picking this book up, what do you make of Galactus? You know, if you're not a regular comics reader, and, and maybe nobody was really picking this book up that wasn't, but, I mean, what a weird concept you're getting here. You know, here, here's here's what I will say in, in Stan Lee's favor, since, since we're bagging on him so sure. much, is uh, when we think of, like, superhero language, like 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 Kirby is what comes to mind, but, like, reading this... That's not true. It, it's, it, it is Stan and Jack. That, it, that is the comic language. Whenever you see, like, a superhero comic in, like, an 80s movie or something, and with, like, the Hark, Verily, like, that type of yeah. shit, like, that really is the Stan Lee contribution to it, and it yeah. is on display here. So, like, it, you know, it, it factors in, no doubt. I'll, I will, uh, you know, and I don't mean to slam Stan Lee sure. that much in this. Um, I, I recognize sort of his position through all of this, and, and I'm mostly a Stan Lee apologist in a lot (laughs) of ways so i'm pro stan lee for the most part but uh the kirby stuff is interesting to me like if you handed this to somebody now or even in the last 20 years i think it'd be a really strange thing to look at the visuals i mean i like this panel you know if i were going to get a panel tattooed on my body this might be it you know like absolutely you turn these pages and each page has something that i that i treasure but it is really a specific language Mm -hmm. and if you're not into comics or you don't know kirby this would be a weird thing to look at because it is totally his language. I don't think in 78, though, because people would just be like, oh, I remember that pop art stuff some years back. Like, So it's like a, a book full of pop art drawings. Yeah. yeah. Co- I mean, comics, the language of sort of like the mainstream comics, what comics were, was moving away from this at the time. That's but true. it was it was still like not too far removed from what we're seeing here. And just, just the... Man, what this guy can draw. Just yeah. putting that pencil down on a piece of paper, not not looking at reference. He he can draw apocalypse. Like he can yeah. draw the, 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 the end of the world, you know? And just it and it's well, you know, it's a it's a train track that's that's warped. Mm-hmm. He he just oh, Jesus, man, I, I, I marvel at Jack Kirby. 
Yeah, and and he can draw it from any direction, going any direction. Mm-hmm. Every it's like so many different poses, and and the weight of the surfer on top of that board, it's always very sound. And then um, he t- he you know loses his mojo when he tries to leave Earth, and and turns into this kind of like almost like the opposite of the Silver Surfer, like you know like a turd or something. <laughs> uh, what I think of this is like um, the uh, um, unpublished uh, Steve Gerber Howard the Duck crossover where there was the silver burp or not the silver burper the sulfur surfer he was called the sulfur and he was this big stinky guy on you know spewing fumes through the universe i also find it interesting looking at this stuff nice paper you know beautiful paper yeah the color on here is is kind of interesting mm-hmm. and would have been atypical for your comics of the time period we talk a lot about like reprints and the different colors and the different paper stocks and how that affects it this would be an early version of like what happens with the good paper when you put those colors on top of it? Yeah. Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comics that Ed Piscor and I make. If you want to support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up our comic books. Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness is my latest comic. It's in comic shops everywhere right now. A retelling of the 60-year history of The Incredible Hulk featuring me as writer, artist, colorist, letterer. This is my version of the Hulk paying homage to some of the great cartoonists that have come before me. Pick this up wherever you buy comics. Red Room Trigger Warnings, now available in comic shops everywhere. Banned in 23 countries and 11 comic shops, but even those comic shops that ban it can pick it up for you. You can pre-order or maybe be able to pull it out from underneath the counter. Murder on the Dark Web for fun and profit. This is the second season, but every issue is self-contained, so whichever one you come across, pick it up. It's the perfect, complete story in each issue. And the Antisocial Network is the collection of the first season of Red Room, again, available wherever you pick up your comics. Jimmy, can we look at that backdrop before we get out of here? All right, we're done paying the bills, man. Uh, Let's get back to the video. This famous page, page. Yeah, this is the thing that's like worth the price of admission for this whole work. And this this is an iconic page that that is uh, burnt into memory if you ever got a hold of that Marvel uh, Abrams book, the Marvel 50th anniversary coffee table book, uh, because it is reprinted in there. And as a kid, uh, just seeing that he's not abiding by like it's a spinning camera. Yeah. And you keep your geography just by the body of water and he's not. He doesn't give a fuck about the rooftops matching. You know what I mean? And that to me, that's a very liberating notion because I just would assume that you have to keep it sound uh, for storytelling purposes or something. And, and you absolutely do not. And not only that, like this is Kirby rooftops. Like it mm-hmm. just looks like a piece of Kirby tech. Yeah, it, it feels very pop art. You mentioned a minute ago pop art. This to me feels very pop art where it's like we really are in Kirby's world. Yeah. And, and you got like the motion of the Silver Surfer it's not like, oh, he's just getting smaller in each one. He's like moving all over the frame. His body's twisting. Like you do see the movie of it. You see him like in the winds whipping and he's like, and, um, uh, you know, and you, we, you talked about, okay, longer story. Kirby's got some real estate. He, he wouldn't have done something right. like this in, you know, like a 17 page story. Yeah. You think of him as a, as a, as mature as he's going to get as a storyteller, essentially, and now he's breathing and trying, yeah. even here, trying some stuff that we haven't really seen him do before. Getting closer to manga pacing. And, of course, the story, uh, you know, for anybody watching at home, is that Silver Surfer has decided to side with Earth, and that's yeah. what brought him into <clears throat> conflict with Galactus. Sinnott's doing some different stuff with the dots here. I think he got a hold of a magic marker, because <laughs> that really does just look like dabs. They're, they're all uniform in shape. Yeah, it's very true. Now, you compare this to, like, the original sort of telling of this in in fantastic four they took out the fantastic four okay that's Mm -hmm. fine 
uh, you could replace those with like maybe some like military guys or something. They took out Alicia Masters. Now that, you know, she, she seems like she'd be pretty easy to replace. You know, you just find another like, you know, woman that he meets and, and learns about Earth from. But they just cut that part of the story out too. And so that, that you know, epic story that like, is is so great and you know and such a famous moment loses everything loses everything you're right like because he's still godlike like at least in that those moments those were human moments where he got a one-to-one microscopic view of humanity he's literally standing on rooftops looking at them like ants like oh they're they're pretty cool you know like (laughs) like, they're like sea monkeys yeah exactly (laughs) like i i don't think i want to see them harmed the the other part story-wise that's weird for me here is Galactus leaves. Yeah. It's it's sort of like Silver Surfer. He saved he saved Earth, but and Galactus leaves, which is in line with that original story. It's that he comes back. That's weird. Mm-hmm. But he leaves, and there's almost no memory of this incident except for like the rubble and like something yeah. happened, but they, we don't know what. Yeah, they wipe the minds, and then yeah. it's like, well, well, and there's why? your aunt who cares? Standing on the rooftops, you know uh, that watching people like ants now here this is where my edit kind of comes in where it's like before you have the fight with galactus he sees this guy he turns into him you know maybe he goes to a disco or whatever you know meets a girl there and you know yeah i think that makes total sense to me but man again like some of these panels his surfer's so strange he's he's um casper the friendly ghost grown up (laughs) he he sells the (laughs) alien idea it definitely sells that this is an alien life form. It's not just a uh, metal person. I love Kirby, though, man. He's going to give you two pages of that. A page and a half, man. But we got to go cosmic again soon. Yeah, that's... Wow. Yeah, and, and this is, like, you're right. It's it's just kind of like, what is Galactus's agenda? If it were, like, a little better defined. And also, you have this, like... You have your climax up front before you've, like, really done anything yet. You have your climax. And then there's no, like, second larger climax. They're really, like... You know, at, at the end either. Is this what you were talking about earlier, Jimmy? <laughs> I am the then. I am the now. I am the yet to be. And then there's all the, like, more than once, you know, we hear Silver Surfer side with Earth people and talk about, like, you know, how they're flawed or whatever, but he still likes them. And then we're going to create pathos with Galactus because he needs to grub, you know? He needs to eat some stuff. He doesn't want to destroy Earth, but he's got to. <laughs> and we get that several times, three, four times. Yeah, that's the part. The repetition of that is the part that I think makes this story tough. Uh-huh. I, I'm curious what it would be like to read this, like, when I was 11. Like, I was a grown-up when I read this. That's I true, too. You know, like, because I, I, I think a lot of that Stan Lee-isms, like, there was an age where we ate that stuff up. I, I at this level, I think I think it would be tough. Like, I, I love those comics, like... Like as a kid, I've read this mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and and it's it has the same shortcomings to me. Silver Surfer always struggled with cells, right? You know, like like yeah. I think it's just a character that doesn't doesn't quite work or jive with uh, with readers the way you know Peter Parker does. Mm-hmm. Um, probably that's a little bit apples and oranges, but you know, like I think everybody is enthralled with this character, but I don't know that you make this character that it's as easy to make him relatable. Well, you know what it is? Yeah, he's aloof. And we kind of look up at him and we admire him. But, like, the characters we love, we really love aren't I love that, this panel you know? so much. The cosmic stuff behind him yeah. in orange, that little bit of blue on his no ears. The, the characters we love traditionally are, like, losers and it's, slugs. It's the baby face thing, like we yeah. were talking earlier. Like, like right. uh, you, you could make them sell better when they have human problems, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he doesn't emote well. So you're yeah. not, even whenever he's struggling with something, it's kind of like you're going to get it in the dialogue. And when he does, it's this physical, like it's a, he's a schlub, he's a drip, you know, he's, he's right. mo- moping on a surfboard and yeah. it's cognitive dissonance because he's flying on a surfboard over the, the earth 
looking salty. Right. And it's like, listen, man, I think I would be the happiest guy on the planet if I could do something I like love that. this as a juxtaposition of panels. <laughs> yes. Going from, like, the greens of the park to, like, the apocalypse of one of these worlds that presumably Galactus is just destroying, devouring. S Silver Surfer is the cosmic mope. And yeah. that is, like, that's where Stan and Jack went their separate ways. And you sort of see their different approaches. Uh, you know, Jack, it was, it was, he was on a, Silver Surfer was on a different journey. He's uh, just naive, curious, interested, wants to learn about what life is. Where with Stan, he already knows everything and he's super bummed. I like this piece. Uh, Galactus calls out, like, I don't know, his id or something, like yeah. his evil inner part. And it's part of Galactus. Yeah. They both acknowledge this is part of Galactus, but Galactus is trying to figure out how to solve this problem mm -hmm. and pulls out pretty much his evil inner evil. Yeah, this is pretty true to life. I mean, you know, we all sort of have this. And um, everybody, like Galactus is, is God, so everybody came out of, like, uh, Ardina, the girl that Silver Surfer falls in love with. And if you excise, you know, Stan Lee's heavy hand with, like, Silver Surfer is too. Silver Surfer came out as, of Galactus's hand on page one. Every one of these people came out of his hand. They're all aspects of, of right. Galactus. And you mentioned Ardina. Here she is. So yeah. go from the evil idea, what do I do? How do I beat Silver Surfer? How do I get Earth? To here we go. The plan is, is now being enacted. And we're trying to get Farrah Fawcett to maybe play her in the movie. So <laughs> How about that for a colorful sky? And it's good too, the orange against the, the cool. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, the gold, gold and silver, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love these pages too. We've mm -hmm. seen a couple of these like non-grid pages. It's when he starts. It's his uh, Captain Victory yeah. panel structure. Yeah, Kirby's mature phase. This is where he, you know, his last works. I like this too for a, uh, a, a a bit of a twist on his cosmic art. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I haven't seen too much S like that. Star Wars has come out. Fun to see. It's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, and like you know the you know there are very few like Jack Kirby love scenes or sex scenes or whatever you want to you know and uh, most of them are in here in this book. Yeah, and and again a page I, I haven't seen a page like this by Kirby, so mm -hmm. cool to see him getting to do some different stuff. Again, man, these close-ups just yeah. blow my mind. Yeah, and how about that magenta? The coloring's interesting. I'm not sure that. Uh, I mean, doesn't doesn't this? I don't know what else you would do with this, but it yeah. is interesting to see it. Doesn't this book work on every level except for structurally, you know, yeah, narratively? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is one of those iconic pages for me out of this book. It is because uh, there was like a there was like a first first round that I think was like more brutal looking, and it was a double page spread and a two page spread. Yeah, 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 yeah. You saw a lot more people getting shot up. Once again, also in that Abrams book. And of course, um, Ardina realizing what she is is not going to sit well with Silver Surfer. Still keeping her against those cool colors whenever she shows up, man. That's oh, like, yeah. That's a one cool thing that they brought to the table. Glennis Ween on color, and I, I think this is probably some of the best coloring in the book, is how mm -hmm. much they like make that warm color only belong to her. Yeah. He rejects her, sending her back kind of to... Uh, to Galactus. That's a cool image. All of these shots of, I mean, every page is full of them. I wonder how many of these were sitting in Kirby's drawer, because like, there's all these like unpublished Galactus drawings that he has from like the 60s, where he had like these story ideas that he's like, not sure if he wants to give them to Marvel or not, you know? Right, yeah. And I wonder if any of them found their way into this. I love all the stuff where it's like alien landscapes. 
Those are always fun. I feel like that's something Trad Moore did in that Silver Surfer Black, you know, some of the visuals that he brought up. That guy's great. And he's got like the villain colors, like the the, the secondary purples, joints. the greens, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Wearing a haystack on his neck. <laughs> Watchmen before Watchmen. Yeah, and then this chapter here is like when you talk about like, oh, maybe it should have been broken down into chapters because this is like, this is like a sort of like a digression or whatever. Okay, now they're like involved with this family that that's like what's going on, and then they're they're looking around, and then they leave, and you know you never hear from these people again. This is a cool sequence too because the the neighbors get wind of like there's an alien or something's going on. They grab their guns, they're ready to like go kill whatever this different thing is, and. Once they get the calm neighbor, they feel like fanatics. Yeah, this is that Twilight Zone episode. Totally. The monsters are doing Maple Street. The one guy with the bunker. And I believe this is the, the woman that we saw in the beginning. It is not. Oh, you know what? I mean, let's compare, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not. I think it's just like that's Kirby's type, you know? Right, but I thought <clears> she <throat> references... <clears throat> Yeah, maybe. maybe I'll I mean, if she, is, I'll have to reread it with that in mind because you're blowing my mind. Because I, I, you know. Yeah, I don't know why true. I thought that. Maybe they just look the same because I don't see the reference here. Well, they so. both have blue hair. This is always a problem for Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, because um, the Silver Surfer in, in Kirby's idea is essentially an angel. Yeah, he's, like a nestle. Sexless. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and this is like. A, a par like a fable, a parable, a biblical story. Like these are like the kind of like bedtime stories Kirby was hearing when he was a kid. I like this kind of inking on him, almost like like you're trying to ink a glow that's coming from the middle of him. I think that's cool. And then also like I've said it before, but I like whenever you get these fantastic characters like in somebody's backyard. That's the thing that that like nobody ever really got with like cinema versions of Silver Surfer. They always just literally make him silver and reflective, but he's luminous as well. This is uh this is Kirby's kniff kind of showing showing a mm -hmm. bit. And when Sinnet is inking that drapery, it's this like mathematical formula of marks to like create those folds and uh it's so sound. The 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 people who try to do their version of Kirby, they can never nail the dra the drapery, how it goes around the cylinder of the of the forms. I like this kind of green or teal or whatever that's starting to come in and the black backgrounds like it's it's approaching like uh charles burns kind of like i always i always dug like when there's a dark room and you just like let a lot of like white mm -hmm. show in the in the midst of all the black when he was building this room i was just like marveling at all the stuff that he included uh because it, it, like i think he he, he kayfabe's perspective and just kind of eyeballs mm -hmm. it and stuff but it's it's perfect stuff it's like everything that can sell a suburban house of, of this era. You know, that's a little gaudy. Yeah, and if you see, like, a comic he drew in the 50s or whatever... It would be it's different. All no, it's, like, related. It's, uh, it's like you see the through line, how he got from there to here. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Just wild. Take, like, taking them into the cosmos. Like, that's a cool idea, right? Take these uh, suburbanites and, and show them this cosmos. And they kind of respond to it. I think they capture that stuff pretty well, both art and text, of, like... It's real, you know, it's not an mm -hmm. illusion, whatever it is they experience there. This is like past the psychedelic era, and, but it's still got remnants of psychedelia. It's like psychedelia merged with like the, the disco aesthetic or whatever. It points to Kirby not being um, psychedelic in the sense of like that movement. Right. It's almost it was just like his it's own just the way thing his mind that worked. happened to overlap. Yeah. This is another one of those panels I love where 
it's just almost incongruous the Silver Surfer drawing versus the house style of it's drawing. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it feels it feels like even like the uh, like the Dick Ayers era like um, Western stories that he would do at Kirby and the I mean, dashed off lines. And, and stuff. I'd give that credit to both Sinat and uh, Glennis Ween in that like those colors are even a little bit faded and washed out compared yeah. to like the punch of Surfer. What what a great way to create depth, you know, completely contrasting you know approaches in the foreground and background and. That yellow to purple, I mean, it's it's hard to get those two to work together. I, I like it. Some of this stuff's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like little things, like the heel of the foot within the perspective of the board, which is just like two lines. Like there's no curve to it at all. Yeah. I feel like maybe if this comic were like R or X rated, maybe it, it could something, you know, if we're just like a lot of moments of those two just kind of lounging around and, and you know fucking or whatever you know this is a nice perspective ed you talk about him kayfabing perspective but it sells you know yeah. like clearly we're looking at looking down at them from from the uh, surfer's point of view up top and hitting that barrier just getting cut in half and crashing back to earth because well that's that's the price he paid mm -hmm. right yeah so there's the repetition of that and she gets you know summoned back you know in the court of the great oz He's criticized for not drawing beautiful women, Kirby. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a pretty pretty good-looking woman. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to that idea of comics as language, and whenever it's you, you need to represent this beautiful being, he's able to rise to that. That's pretty strange. Yeah, that's that's heading towards like late late Kirby. That's like something you would see in like uh, you know the, the superpowers, yeah, or, or yeah, um, Hunger Dogs or captain victory i was looking at this drawing this week and even like the inking line on his nose sort of defies like an inking convention it's also that thing too of he's had a career of these regular doses of even if he hasn't looked at the comics like they're out there month in month out and you get your like little sense of completion this is a big fucking job yeah and it's almost like a little steam is running out mm -hmm. yeah it's an albatross you know it wasn't it didn't go the way he had hoped. He had high, you know, like a lot of things, he had high hopes for this on the outset. I assume he was doing pieces and sending them in. So, mm -hmm. like, he's maybe seeing lettered pages and st still moving forward, and that's whenever it's starting to be like, oh, geez, this is not going quite right. It's it's that classic thing. Uh, I'm sure it's happened to you guys. Uh, I've had my own versions of it where it, it, Stanley talks about at the beginning. Like, he made a trip out to... Uh, with the West Coast to, to to sell Kirby on this, or maybe he was doing some Hollywood stuff and stopped by, and, and they're talking about this. This was this is such a great image right yeah, here. I, that I, one is, yeah, I like this I one too, going between trees as yeah. they're shooting at him. So you get wooed by by companies, writers, whatever, and they sell you on, they try to sell you on an idea and how it's going to be all different, and it's going to be, you know, this this great wild experience. And then the deeper you get with it, you realize it's just another, not not even just another comic, it's another one of their hacky comics and mm -hmm. they want your name on it or they want you to participate in it. So you got to like fucking head for the hills. You know, that's this kind of thing. This is a great page. I love this. I love that mask. Mm -hmm. And just like worshiping the, mm -hmm. this idol and shit and drawing different cultures of Again, people. the sky color is so good. We always say, you know, don't do a blue sky. What a sky, man. Super hot. It's on fire and behind him. There's like several moments in this book where it's like, oh, that would have been a good idea for a Silver Surfer book. And like, that's kind of one too, where it's like, oh, if they had gotten to that a little bit earlier of like religions developing and, you know. 
yeah, totally. space that out. The, a the, the cult of the surfer, you mm-hmm. know. People... And, and you know, we should say he goes through several cultures there, different locations, yeah. and it's all the same. He's being attacked by everybody. I think the first ones were Russians or comrade this and that, you know, as they're shooting at him. Uh, and then back to like the U.S. military is like, we got to figure this out. And if we can't, if we can't understand it, we got to destroy it. Mm-hmm. It's murder. That's the plan. The dude with the shades would never say that. He'd, he'd be <laughs> like, "Yeah, let's fucking cut this guy up and dissect him." And yeah, he, yeah, he would. He, in Kirby's version, he's like, "You missed." You're right. <laughs> 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 kind of cool to see these nine-panel grids yeah. pop up now and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kirby knows his way around them. Man, Tom, this is the, these are your uh, your R-rated moments, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, this is as close as it gets. Yeah. This is uh, the romance comics are back. It feels like he's not even like they they don't don't seem the same size, but I guess they are. Yeah, I don't know for sure. It, it looks off. Like this looks maybe skinnier than this. Could be. It just speaking to the fact that he that he doesn't necessarily rule the stuff out. Yeah, he's got Baldo Smudge ruling. <laughs> the Matrix. Yeah, I saw that too. And it, it's it's one of those pieces. It's weird whenever these little bits of like major pop culture, like you can mm-hmm. trace them before they become the major pop culture. Yeah. This this is another one of those pretty great sequences. Her, you know, getting uh... this is. There's so many of these panels. If you just isolated them, they're phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. just as images, man. He, I mean, this is that era. You know, like his his Marvel work for that second go round, like the most beautifully balanced pages good black and whites across the whole page every panel is perfectly composed do you guys know how long it took him to do this i don't yeah because i i wonder like if, if this were the only thing he was concentrating on like he could probably draw this in a month doesn't that look like he's grabbing his his it's a good hand activating whatever those those discs are there is like you know stan lee's um archive or whatever that's at like the university of wyoming there's like letters you know from between him and kirby you know talking about this project so it was you know an ongoing thing and kirby would send him batches of stuff like oh here's this here's that yeah probably just in between his ruby spears work you ever think about visiting that tom oh for sure yeah yeah i would like to take a trip out there yeah that's kind of neat i i've uh like going through the hulk stuff for grand design and reading like all the other you know the stand soap boxes mm-hmm. and the letters pages and stuff I think I underestimate like how much he was visiting colleges and kind of talking comics to everybody that would listen. It's kind of like it's pretty interesting. That's what he wanted to do. He's like Johnny Appleseed for yeah. comics. He, he and and he he was he had a clear idea about that that like it it would be very valuable to have somebody like that who's you know promoting the company and and then you know comics in general but specifically the company and the works and and he was much more interested in that work than sitting it seems down like and, it and like that, that's one of those things that i took away from just seeing little snippets comments here and there mm-hmm. spread across a decade and a half of comics or more uh it seemed like he took something from that experience as mm-hmm. well yeah he had like a, an agent for all that kind of stuff like a, a little side business and the bookend sequence. The, the bookends, and... yeah. I mean, this is is great, and and it it kind of means more and works better if we're seeing the creation of the Silver Surfer at the be or a creation like like maybe he's done this a million times, created and and absorbed the Silver Surfer a million times, and this is how it ends. When you shoehorn in all that prequel kind of stuff, it you know it just loses loses the punch. Yeah, it's 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 weird as a uh, like from continuity 
point of mm-hmm. view to read this story and, and you know it doesn't sort of make sense exactly with the Marvel Universe but as a standalone book I don't know it's a different thing to consider well yeah and, and it's like why reference if you're not referencing old comics why shoehorn a thing from a separate a different comic you yeah. know that, that throws things off track you also get the sense like because of the multitude of pages and stuff and, and maybe the pick up and, and put down uh, sort of technique that was probably used while putting this together like stanley's dialogue is very redundant every Mm -hmm. every 10 pages or something he says some some very similar hyperbolic thing that he said just a couple pages earlier and it's like he didn't read read his er, earlier work up to that point to get to the pages that he's writing at that moment yeah there's there's, it it bounces like that a lot i love the book design treatment of like their bios and photos Mm -hmm. it's it's very regal to be like here's your two pages like show these guys off yeah yeah it's 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 nice to and that's a great have in this format yeah i always love seeing kirby looking looking good in a photo looking like dapper i like i i think like what if he grew a mustache and sunglasses too <laughs> <laughs> john costanza uh, i always associate him with dc lettering yeah but uh man that's 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 a big letter in my opinion so it's kind of cool to see his name on there and i mentioned glennis wind doing the coloring already egg of a team it is and and joe sent out on uh inks it's pretty good to see him i think on there mm-hmm. i think if you're going to um try to sell kirby to a new market a bookstore market he makes more sense than royer i love mm-hmm. royer yeah, you know sure. royer's the the inker for the books i was able to get of kirby so i love that stuff but I think he softens it a little bit, and that's kind of a, a good thing for this, a wider this is audience. Sinnott, this is Sinnott closer to Royer Definitely. than he was last time he was working with Kirby. And, I mean, you know, we're holding this thing to a high standard because, you know, it, it, it warrants it. Like, it's it's Jack Kirby, it's Stan Lee, you know, we, like, we respect this stuff. But as, like, a piece of pop entertainment or whatever, it's, you know, it's it's pretty great. Like, like uh, try watching a TV show from 1978. That's a good point. A hit TV, you know, the number one TV show. Try watching it and compare it to reading this. Yeah, you know? no doubt. And, and uh, like, where this takes place in, in time, uh, it's probably the the perfect time to, to sort of strike the nostalgia chord with the people who were first affected by Fantastic Four when it, when it initially came out. Uh, they've grown up a little bit. This is a more respectable marketplace place that this book ostensibly will be sold in but you but you keep the same team mm-hmm. that that resonated with the people who uh you know even issue 50 like brett read the, the 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 trilogy of issues you know 10 years before you know what i'd be really curious to hear some of that in the comments um people that 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 were reading this at the time yeah how this would have been received because it is beautiful mm-hmm. you know like like i i do have to say that like for whatever criticisms we have about the story maybe not being perfectly paced or something, I think it's a gorgeous piece. Like, yeah. in production, art, all of those things, top-notch. And But as an object, like, how weird must this have been to pick up in 1978 if you were a comics fan and you were used to getting your comics off the spinner rack and then you get this one week? Like, it had to be mind-blowing. I mean, I, I, mean, I feel like all those other books that they list those like Stan Lee collections they prime the pump prime the pump exactly like you they were sort of leading towards this it's like okay now we're gonna take this format and you know create something original and something you know book book length it's fun to think about man because that that, that follows the trajectory of like the treasuries right where, where it's like let's collect stuff and then every once in a while you get a Superman Muhammad Ali or or, or uh, Captain America Bicentennial Battles that's that's done like using that format Ed you break my heart when you say uh-huh. that 
because now I want this as a treasury edition. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to see this. Is just imagine this, yes. you know, these pages just oversized. Man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, and, that, and it could happen. It could happen relatively soon. I mean, Marvel's back. Thanks to Ed, Marvel's back to publishing <laughs> right, treasuries. Right. It really does look like we're holding this book. By <laughs> yeah, the I know. It's great. Shouts to Ken Landgraf. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll say this. Um, you know, we looked at the Mobius Silver Surfer. We looked at the trilogy that introduced the Silver Surfer. Um, I have that, that burn one shot that Stanley scripts from the early 80s on my want list to like, let's look at that one. Um, I do think it's fun to like look at the character like Silver Surfer and see him filtered through different artists, mm -hmm. uh, different time periods, and kind of see what people come up with because it's a weird character. Yeah, you know, Spider Man, Batman, these characters make total sense. They're dudes, you know. You can kind of at least relate to half of their personas. Silver Surfer is this other thing. It's a mm -hmm. different beast. It's the Hulk in a way where it's like it's this character that is not really the superhero mold. So it's cool to see different artists take stabs at him. Yeah, I mean, the thing I was going to say, um, there's a learning curve to making a graphic novel. Just because you made comic books all your life doesn't mean you can make a graphic novel. And even, you know, the, the pioneers of the graphic novel, there was a learning curve. Um, Will Eisner's Contract with God isn't really a novel. You know, it's it's vignettes. It's, ep it's episodic. These guys cut their teeth making short, episodic things. So it is going to have some remnants of that. Absolutely. I mean, even like editors and stuff wouldn't have been in a position at this point coming from comics to be like, okay, let's uh, stretch this out. Let's make this act mm -hmm. one. Yeah. It's, it's a different beast. And uh, in some weird ways, this is more of a graphic novel than a contract with God. For sure. Yeah. Listen, man, there were a lot of destroyer paperbacks and stuff like <laughs> that. Those are considered novels, right? That's true. <laughs> Good to go. I am. Okay. Fabers like follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. It's out there. Jimmy Hulk grand design monster and Hulk grand design madness is in comic shops everywhere. Now it's a retelling of the 60 year history of the incredible Hulk. Perfect for first time Hulk comic book readers or longtime fans. I'm writing, coloring, drawing, lettering, doing everything myself. So pick that up now while supplies last and join me on patreon.com slash Jim Red Room Trigger Warnings issue one, two, and three are on the stands as we speak. Murder on the dark web for fun and profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. And if you see a Red Room comic out in the wild, you haven't gave, given it a shot yet, grab any issue because they're all a complete story. Uh, it is banned in 28 countries, however. It is banned in 10 comic shops, however. But if you hit up my link tree in the description below this video, you'll be able to order and pre-order uh, existing Red Room comics and future ones that are on their horizon. Also, you can hit up my Patreon and read the, those comics uh, right now, today. Three bucks get you the archive. I have more than 200 pages up there as we speak, and I put new strips up every Tuesday. Tom, what do you have? Check out Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, Fantastic Four Grand Design, American Barbarian, uh, check out my YouTube channel, Total Recall Show, and go to my Patreon. Jimmy, what else do we have on the uh, docket there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, given those marching orders, we're going to be on our way. Read more comics.